You stand in the presence of Daenerys Stormborn of House Targaryen, rightful heir to the Iron Throne, rightful Queen of the Andals and the First Men, protector of the Seven Kingdoms, the Mother of Dragons, the Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea, the Unburnt, the Breaker of Chains. This is Jon Snow. He's king in the north. Winter is coming. You're listening to the Watchers of Westeros. I am the king! A Game of Thrones podcast. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Fire cannot kill a dragon. Lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of a sheep. I've also heard the phrase, a Lannister always pays his debt. For the night is dark and full of terror. What good is power? If you cannot protect the ones you love, we can avenge them. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, at last, to the Watchers of Westeros, a Game of Thrones podcast. We're here to discuss Season 7, Episode 3, The Queen's Justice. Whoa, what an episode that was. We'll have to check in on the Deadpool here, see how we're doing. Uh, lots of stuff happened. Not quite the uh, epic battles of last week, but uh, just as much happened, if not more. Like, I, I, to be honest, I'm kind of shocked at how much happened in this episode. And man, this season's moving fast. This season's moving fast, and that's something we're gonna we're gonna talk about here is, is how quickly uh, the show seems to be getting on with things. It took. Uh, whereas in previous seasons, it, it, it would have taken a lot longer to get to some of these places we are now in just episode three of uh, season seven. But we're basically at the halfway point here of the season, which feels so wrong. It feels so wrong. I mean, we've got the the next episode uh, this coming Sunday uh, tomorrow as we record this. Um uh, that will be the shortest in Game of Thrones history. Uh, we're not going to talk about it, even if it has leaked uh, just yet. We'll have to wait for uh, Monday or Tuesday to hear our thoughts on that. Um, but uh, no, we got to get into the Queen's Justice. But first, introductions are in order. If you're new to the podcast or if you've forgotten who we are, that can happen. So you stand in the presence of Dominic of the House Jones, host of the Watchers of Westeros podcast, producer of the Star Wars Underworld and Live from Lothal, protector of fans, maker of Trump jokes, the unburnt, the breaker of spoilers. And joining me, this this is Kieran Duggan. He hosts a podcast. Kieran, how are you? <laughs> I knew something like that was coming. You didn't even give me a proper title. What's that? At least I could have been something like the king in the north of England. I would have taken yeah. that. I would yeah. have been more than content yeah. to have been the king in the north of England. <laughs> um, but there you go. I can't have it every way. But no, it, it is great to speak to you again, Dominic. It seems like it's been a while and, and, and we're aware that the show we're doing now is coming out a bit later mm-hmm. than our usual schedule. Uh, for various reasons, we, we had to delay the release of the podcast. 
but it means that we can use this as more of a preview of uh, of what's to come, I guess. Yeah. With uh, the, the the next episode, which is well, it will only be uh, a day away by the time people listen to this. So yeah. very exciting times. But you know, we're also going to talk about the Queen's Justice, and and as you say, so much happened in that episode. And and you messaged me at the top, uh, well, before I'd seen the episode, I should say, and you were like, "I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm not going to give you my thoughts, but there are some mid to level spoilers here." So you may want to avoid them uh, because I was doing a social media blackout. So I, I followed through with that. But I said to Dominic at the time, I was like, oh, when I first saw that message, I was like, oh, does he hate this episode? Because when <laughs> I started watching the episode, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. What, what, what have I missed here? Is Dominic? What is it that Dominic's not going to like? And then I messaged Dominic and you replied and said, no, Kieran. And that was actually one of my favorite episodes of the season. <laughs> I <was> like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I just I didn't want to overhype it because there wasn't like a a red wedding or purple wedding or Jon Snow getting stabbed, Ned Stark being beheaded, uh, Battle of the Bastards, uh, um, hard home type event. Like there wasn't that big thing that makes you go, "Oh my god, this was amazing." Uh, so I didn't want you to go into it thinking like there's this big grand event that's going to happen, but there are, yeah, there were a lot of like mid, mid to big, uh, mid to mid level to high level important stuff that happened in this episode, uh, basically throughout it. But yeah, uh, like Karen said, we are recording a little bit later than we like to, um, just the, this week, it just so happened our schedules could not, uh, we couldn't make our schedules work and and uh and so that until saturday and that's what happens when you record in uh time zones that are five hours apart is it sometimes makes it a little bit tough and uh hopefully hopefully this will be a one-off for this season for next week our plan uh is to not do this (laughs) so you'll get two episodes of this show very uh very quickly almost back to back um and then uh from there hopefully we will be able to continue uh finding ways around the time zone uh the time zone uh, issue and our schedules and stuff so hopefully hopefully this is a one off for this season uh but let's get into the queen's justice season 7 episode Three, uh, and yeah, like we said, next week uh, or tomorrow, tomorrow's episode. I might as well say it as it is. Tomorrow's episode uh, is the shortest. This one was actually a, a pretty long one. It was over an hour long, which was uh, which was nice. And yeah, tons of big stuff. John and Danny finally meet. The death of Olena Tyrell. Cersei gets her revenge on the Sand Snakes on Dorne for the death of Marcella. Lots of lots of big stuff happening, but one thing needs to be dealt with right away, right off the top, and that is that Bran Stark is a dick. <laughs> this guy, this guy comes back. This guy comes back to Winterfell. He sees his sister for the first time in who knows how long, and she, you know she's trying to catch up with him, find out what what he's been up to, what he's been doing. He's talking all cryptically, and then he decides to bring up the time she was raped. So it's like, hey, where, what did you do on your summer vacation? Oh, nothing really. Hey, remember that time you were raped? Come on, Bran. Come on, man. I I, I saw an interview with uh, uh or I read an interview with Isaac Hempstead Wright who plays Bran. He's like, yeah, he's basically got the entire internet in his head. 
And like that's that's all well and good. So it explains why he's all like spaced out, kind of. You know, he's all like, "Hello, Sansa. I need to talk to John." You know, like he's you know he doesn't seem to be fully present, but he should still be present enough to know <laughs> not to bring up the, as the first thing out of his mouth to his sister uh, should not be. Um, Remember the time you were raped and, and in like the amount of detail that he went into, you know, he could have he should have just stopped it. I'm sorry for what happened to you. He didn't have to like remind her of the weather and what she was wearing and all of that. Ugh. I don't know. That was such just such a weird scene. And, and I, I, I had been looking forward to seeing Bran back on the show because, uh, you know, he took all of season five off and then his story in season six was actually pretty interesting, I thought. And uh, we got that brief check-in with him in the premiere. And, and then he wasn't in episode two. And so to, to have him back for episode three, I thought, okay, this is great. I, I want to see what he has to say and what he's like. And I don't know. It, it, he, he, he didn't, uh, didn't impress me much. Uh, what, did, what did you think of, of, of Bran Stark in this one, Karen? Uh, I think you're right. It, this that particular tale is not one that you would really bring up if uh, it was between the Bran Stark of old and, and, and Sansa Stark. Um, but Bran, like you say, he's changed. He's, if, if he's like the internet, then he will have really no emotion. And the things that will stand out to him will be those types of moments, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not going to be... I remember that nice happy time when you know we were all back yeah. at Winterfell, well, blah blah he, blah. It's going to be, it's going to be. Well, we haven't seen each other in a while, and I know what has happened to you, and it's been oh, you've had a tough time. Um, but he's not the same brand start. I think that is perhaps what they're trying to get at with with that scene, and 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 make it seem like the the reunion of the Starks won't be as amicable and as as, as uh, easy as we think it's going to be it's going to maybe take time to redevelop that lost relationship uh, yeah. between the siblings mm-hmm. yeah i definitely think it was intentional that the the sequence was a little bit awkward like when she goes for the hug and he doesn't hug her back uh you know it, 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 i think that was definitely we're meant to think that there's something a little bit off about bran and that it's not going to be like when John and Sansa reunited last season because like like when that happened last season that had been you know really since we hadn't seen Starks together since season three and we hadn't seen Sansa or John with a with another Stark since season one so that was a huge moment in all this build-up so you know they were right to sort of play it off as as finally giving the audience what they wanted to see in in that that you know Starks together again whereas this time you know we've already had that we've already had the Starks together again reunion kind of thing and we may get that again next week depending on uh, you know we see in the preview Arya shows up at, at Winterfell and so we may get that again, uh, a little bit more of a happy reunion. But um, but but Bran, man, <laughs> Bran, he just he just he went he went right for the the worst moment. He's, that, maybe that's going to be his thing when he sees people. He just goes right to the worst moment of their life. So yeah, you know, but, when he sees but, John, but when he sees John, he'll be like, "Hey, remember that time you were murdered?" <laughs> you know, like just keep going, keep going at people. Yeah, sorry, jump but, in here. But I uh, also think. To be fair, I, I did think it was creepy in a 
weird that he would bring that up. But I also think it was to show, uh, well, to, to demonstrate and tell Sansa uh, something that she may never really believe. You know, he, she, he says, I'm the free-eyed raven, I see everything. She doesn't understand what that really means. Mm-hmm. And maybe she didn't even believe that, he, you know, he, he might just think he's going crazy. He's like, oh, yeah, you can, I'm sure you can see things. And she's like, I better get a doctor to this guy because he's gone <laughs> nuts. But if he can bring up events like that and describe it in such detail and and it seems just like you're there, um, you, you know, you, could, you, you feel like he was just there watching the whole time. Maybe that was partly the point. She can be creeped out by it, but she may also think, well, Bran says it's true, then it's got to be true. I don't know. Maybe that's another way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's. I think that's fair. I think that's probably what they were going for. It just. I don't know. I. I think. If you're Bran, yeah. you gotta think of a better way to prove your yeah. powers to people. Like do some. Do Could some magic. Or... Kill, let the dogs go at Ramsey. Yeah, yeah like something. Something. Uh, yeah. Something. Yeah. A happy memory or. Even just like find some other way of, of showing his uh, his power. Um, he he better think of some way to show show people his power if he's if he intends to tell John what we think he's going to tell John. Mm-hmm. What it's strongly implied that he's going to tell John when they finally meet up, uh, presumably next week. Just based on how fast this show is going, just yeah. All right, there's John. Um, but yeah. Well, I think the other angle that's interesting to this is is sort of fitting in with the whole uh, the like little finger element is that this is only going to serve to isolate Sansa even more, really, because if she can't connect with Spran, you know, John's gone, Arya's not there yet. Um, yeah, you look at it as you say, Dominic, and think, oh, this is a start reunion. It's it's going to be great. It's going to be uh, such a blissful and and, and striking moment, and, and yet it's not quite panned out necessarily how we thought it was going to. And I don't know now what where, where this sort of leaves Sansa and Bran at this point. I don't know whether she'll really want, want to speak much with him at this point. Surely he'd be like, oh, maybe we'll see you later, Bran. Yeah. <laughs> you go and enjoy yourself on your own somewhere. Yeah. You stay by the tree. Yeah. <laughs> stay out here. See if you can figure things out. See if you can get, get, get your wires sorted while you, uh, while you hang out with the tree. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see more. Of, we'll we'll figure out what's really going on with Bran, and and presumably he has a lot uh, a lot to say and a lot to to do this season now that he's back. And and yeah, we'll see if if Sansa. Yeah, maybe she does feel isolated. Although she's got, you know, she she seemed pretty in command before Bran showed up. I mean, she was telling. Um, uh, Sir Sir Royce, Reynard Royce, or whatever his name is, uh, the, yeah. the the eerie guy, not the guy from the eerie. He's he himself is not eerie. Uh, you know what to do. She was telling the maester what to do. She seemed to be pretty in command of the situation. So even you know if even if she's feeling a little isolated, and maybe Littlefinger can play on that. Maybe maybe there's somebody out there who knows uh, that knows how to stick somebody with the pointy end. Who could uh, show up and, and help mm-hmm. help her out? Somebody who's nearby. Well, what? Well, another point to bring up with the whole North element. We've you brought up the, the sort of Littlefinger side as well, and um, I, yeah, it's something that you said about him last episode, where you felt that 
he will try to manipulate Sansa or, or, or try to persuade her to do something. And, and the audience are going to think, oh, he's got her on the ropes here. Or like, oh, you know, Sansa, don't listen to what he's going to say. And, and she's going to fall for it. And then it's going to, you know, the tables are going to turn. Do you think this was one of those scenes in this episode where he's telling her basically to grab power? Yeah, uh, I think. See yeah, I, I think this is him like... Uh buttering her up essentially like he's he's telling her he's planting all of these ideas in her mind about you know having to be conscious of everything being ready to to fight at any point anywhere against anybody so that he could then perhaps put put some sort of plan into motion because Littlefinger has been strangely passive this season you know, we're three episodes in and he hasn't mm. done a whole lot. He's just kind of been there saying stuff. And y- you have to think that at some point he's going to... He's going to tra- make a move. He's going to make a move. And, and that would have to involve Sansa. And, and I, do, I don't think this was necessarily part of him setting up a plan. But I stand by that uh, prediction that it will be something to the effect of him going, all right... Uh, of, of of him trying to trick Sansa, us thinking he's tricked Sansa, and then um, finding out, oh no, she she played him, and you know that will be the end of him, uh, because I you know you go back to you, you go back to season one, and uh, Littlefinger was seemed to be Ned's one of Ned's best allies in King's Landing, and what does Littlefinger say to him when he's got the knife to his throat? I told you not to trust me or, or you know, however he says, says things. Um, <laughs> and, nice accent. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, uh, there was that, there was, there's a, there's a scene last season where uh, Sansa says to John, only a fool would trust Littlefinger. And somebody made a great meme of, you know, she said of her saying that. And then that the next picture is, is Ned and Catelyn, like being like, ah, see, yep, that, that we trusted him. Those were the ones who did that. Uh, and look what happened to them. You know, he's, he got, re- he got beheaded. She got red wedded, you know, it's all, all, all that fun stuff. But no, I, I, I do. To an extent. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even the Boltons to an extent. Uh, anybody who makes the mistake of trusting Littlefinger uh, generally winds up regretting it. You, um, mm. Lysa, Lysa Tully, there's another example. <laughs> you know, she thought yeah. he, she thought he was going to marry her, and instead he pushed her out the moon Will door. Cersei, I Cersei, I, I, Cersei doesn't trust him though. Cersei, that's one that's area where Cersei is wise: is that she never trusted him. She never trusted him. She never trusted Varys. Um, even Tyrion made the mistake of trusting Varys to an extent and that he nearly mm-hmm. lost his life because of that in season four, you know, when Varys testified against him, uh, in the, in, in the, 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 the Joffrey's murder trial. So, um, you know, you know, trusting those guys or trusting Littlefinger in particular is a, is a big mistake. And I think Sansa knows that. And I think Sansa's smart enough that, and, and she's figured out how to play him. And and this goes back into what she said in the first episode that she admires Cersei to an extent, and I think mm. she'll be able to play Littlefinger the way he normally plays people, or Cersei might play uh, play people. Just I don't think she'll be as brutal as uh, as Cersei was. Uh, speaking of which, <laughs> why don't we why don't we talk about that, uh, man? King's Landing. King's Landing. Yeah. Um, that scene in the dungeon 
uh, hats off to Lena Headey, man. That was great. She did. She was fantastic. She she got them. Like I mean, you know, it was so well. It was so well played. It, it maybe was a little bit, a little bit long, but I mean, just uh, you know, finally, uh, you know, one the the third sand snake has fallen. So uh, if we check the Deadpool, that all three of them are dead. We had any of them, and we should have probably put all of them uh in there uh but she's dead but the other thing is and this is this i mean this is talk about mad king mad queen type thing not only is she gonna not only is she killing tian tian whatever her name is um uh she's going to keep alaria alive not just to watch her daughter die but to watch her body decompose that may be one of the darkest things. That's in the top three darkest things that has happened mm-hmm. on this show. Maybe that's up there. That could challenge for number one. Um, but yeah, I, that was hats off. Hats off to the the writers and 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 especially Lena Headey for that that scene. Um, uh, your thoughts, Karen? Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, as you say, up there with the most brutal of ways to punish somebody uh, or, or as rather an act of retribution against somebody who's wronged them um shows really that you just at this point Cersei is crazy like you say and and and, and nothing is going to stop her and it's and it's interesting isn't it because she it seems to allude in this scene that Marcella was her favorite her, her favorite ch- child mm-hmm. and and that's why she's going to these lengths to uh, or the vengeance, like an act of vengeance against uh, you know what 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 has been wronged to Marcella, and and it's a it's a weird one because initially when you're going into that scene, you sort of feel Cersei's pain, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, actually, at the beginning, yeah, she sort of does deserve this a bit because what did Marcella do? She was this poor innocent girl, yeah. although she was a Lannister, and we don't like the Lannisters. She used to seem really nice, and 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 yet she got caught in a crossfire, yeah, um, which is horrible. But then by the end, you're like, whoa, hang on a minute! Like, <laughs> not only are you killing her daughter with the same type of poison that killed your daughter, yeah. um, you're then having to let her mother watch her rot, and that is just cruel. And then the way, you know, the fact that she's going to force feed her if she doesn't want, she wants to die. She's going to keep the lights on if it gets dark so she can still see. It's that's just horrible, but um, clearly, if you cross the queen, this is what's going to happen. And uh, and uh, I, I think it just shows that the real villain of this season is is Cersei. I mean, regardless yeah. of uh, the White Walkers and and maybe the lights of Littlefinger and what have you. I mean, I, I would say that Cersei's, or even Euron Greyjoy, but I think Cersei is villain number one <laughs> at the moment. She's like the the big bad of the season, so to speak. Oh, yeah. she's she's definitely uh proving it oh for sure and i mean it, it, the other thing that was that, that's interesting in the scene is that we do see cersei kind of for just a half a second or just a second or two just kind of break down and start crying over marcella and that reminded me of in in the first episode in, in um uh, dragonstone when jamie says to her that they haven't talked about Tommen and you remember the season six finale when she's looking at Tommen's body she's so cold 
And so you you know there are all these emotions that are that she's just sort of keeping the clamp down on them and not letting them come up to the surface. And you have to wonder if if they ever are going to come up to the surface and how and it, it's almost like I don't know she 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 almost broke down there but she kept going and by keeping going she uh she she just became so much more brutal and it, mm. yeah and and then it shows really that there's just a lack of remorse now she she she, she, she really she she's lost mm-hmm. the ability to really feel and have emotions um, besides she's it, you know, cold yeah the only the love, the love for her children was what kept her going but no mm-hmm. longer yeah and and so the only emotion that she allows herself to feel is pleasure and the only way she can get to pleasure is by inflicting pain on other people even you know even mm-hmm. you know the the scene that follows is her and jamie together and you know it's almost like she was she was still in going into that scene she was still running off the energy that she had generated in her in herself she was aroused is what i'm trying to say she was aroused by what she did to yeah. to kill uh to kill uh the sand snake and then have alaria watch and and suffer and that yeah. is then and that manifests itself in pleasure for her and that's the only emotion that she can allow herself to feel because otherwise yeah, now you know her children are dead, um, and and so there's nothing holding her back except her own emotions, and the only one she she lets come up is is that one, and you know the things that cause Cersei Lannister um, Lannister pleasure are not uh, are not the uh, <laughs> not not the not the best things all the time, like no. uh, killing people and and tormenting them, and then well sure. then this is the other thing is she goes you know then she lets her and Jamie be seen in bed together by the uh mm. the handmaiden so you almost it, wonder whether that's part of the reason why she she did it it's yeah. like well you know she almost gets something out of somebody seeing the brother and sister together yeah well it, it i think it it shows that she's un untouchable or she thinks she's untouchable at this point and so she yeah like she yeah i, I agree with you she, it seems like she gets something out of finally letting the world know and, and it's almost like yeah, go ahead, judge me, and if you do, I'll blow you up with wild wildfire, or I'll poison you, or I'll poison your loved ones and make you watch them die. Like you know, she feels uh, all powerful, and e- eventually, when when characters feel all powerful, they or when people feel all powerful, they tend to make mistakes. I mean, mm. you know, we we I could, mean, we could go to the, we could go to Star Wars for a perfect example. You know, Luke says to the Emperor, "Your overconfidence is your weakness." And that's what it was. He wasn't watching his back when Luke finally got through to Vader, got through to Anakin, and down the chute, down the chute, into the Death Star, dead. Exactly. And also, this episode, well, appropriately titled The Queen's Justice, is really going to serve, to me, is going to be the pinnacle of Cersei as queen in terms of her power, in terms of the, the, the pleasure that she's got from it. Uh, and how she's going to feel about it. At the end of this episode, she is at her highest point now. I mean, if you compared to to the point when at the end of season six, when Danny was going to Westeros and 
Mm-hmm. Uh, of all of those oh, yeah. forces, the Amada, and then Cersei was crowned queen, and it was just so eerie and dark and sinister. And, and but you thought that she's got no chance, and yet somehow out of the blue, looks like now we're on a bit more of an even playing field, and and and, and she looks like she might even get the support of the Iron Bank. Yeah, uh, yeah. which is which My, will be huge Minecraft for their Holmes. war efforts. It's all going her way at the moment. Yeah, Mycroft Holmes seems to be uh, all about supporting Cersei Lannister at this point, it seems. Um, <laughs> but um, one one other thing that... Uh, well, one more thing to bring up here is that, you know, Jamie, her and Jamie are seen by the uh, her, her attendant or handmaiden or whatever she is. And is that going to be her downfall? Because... You know what? You know Cersei's. You know most the worst moment in Cersei's life, besides the death of her children, was when she was marched through the streets of King's Landing naked with the the shame the shame nun ringing the bell and stuff like. And that was because she had been somebody had had squealed on her, um, having uh, extramarital affairs, shall we say, um, with her cousin, no with less. her cousin, no less. And well, and and it actually was her cousin who turned her in, and that was sort of the, um, uh, that was the moment. So this 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 scene could either be this scene, this scene could I, I this scene that we saw in this episode could perhaps indicate that this was could this be her mistake? Is is if this uh, attendant decides to to do something about it. Or is it meant to just show at this point Cersei had so much power that something that got her shamed, publicly shamed and humiliated uh, two seasons ago um, is going to, you know, doesn't matter anymore because she has that uh, almost absolute power. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, actually, that her sort of methods are very uh, similar to the to the methods that were used by. Uh, well, what, was, what would become her arch nemesis, really, with the faith and the uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, I'm forgetting their names now, Dominic. The group, what was the, the sparrows? The sparrows. That's it. The high sparrow and his and his little sparrows. You know, mm-hmm. all of them were because of the way that they used tactics to try and indoctrinate people and force them to uh, yield uh, their beliefs, really, when you think of Marjorie Tyrell, Loris Tyrell, Cersei, all of them. And they used brutal tactics. And, and, and this is sort of almost savage. And this is what we've got to with Cersei. And it's interesting that that scene with the Sand Snakes, again, was in a dungeon, not too dissimilar from the ones that were used for people like Cersei, actually. Yeah, uh, it was a different like location. Yeah, different location, exactly. but very similar. Yeah, and I think maybe we're supposed to get that sort of edge to it all. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm intrigued to see where that goes. But, you know, the other scene that we haven't quite brought up yet, but around King's Landing, was the scene leading up to that with Euron Greyjoy and, and co. riding into King's Landing uh, very similar, actually, when he came into the throne room on the horse to Tywin Lannister when uh, he walked in on on his horse. I mean, maybe looking at it from a maybe more political standpoint with, with Cersei at this point and the Greyjoys and then and then Jamie. You know, where, where do where do we where do you stand with that really? And uh, yeah. particularly the the stuff with Euron and Jamie that was really interesting, <laughs> although a little bit stirred as well. Yeah, well, I, Cersei's built a very um, 
tenuous alliance. You might even call it a house of cards uh, to sort of keep her her kingdom together by uniting with Euron Greyjoy and 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 using these brutal tactics and and being perhaps a little bit careless with uh, some of her um, less than uh, society approved activities. And eventually these things are all going to blow up in her face. Uh, and, and I think we see the beginnings of that in this episode. And granted, this episode from Cersei's point of view is a great success. But um, from another perspective, from our perspective, we can start to see how things uh, aren't going to go very well. You know, Jamie never trusted Euron. And Euron is provoking Jamie right there in front of everybody. <laughs> and and you have to think that, that Jamie's not going to trust Euron. And if he doesn't trust him, then there's there's going to be problems. And and whether Euron actually proves himself to be untrustworthy uh, or not, we'll, we'll find out. Um, generally, I think we should probably lean towards he's not trustworthy. But uh, but I do think that this the, these alliances that they've built with the Tarleys and the and the Greyjoys, they they're they're pretty tenuous and they they may fall apart rather quickly. And and, and well, the um, only thing that's uniting these houses together is fear. Is fear, yeah. Revolution. Well, and, 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 and and again, and fear in general. Yeah, and again, you compared it to to Tywin riding in. Well, compare Tywin to Euron in general. You know, Tywin was very cold and calculating. Euron is flashy and 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 flamboyant in a way like he, he you know he's he loves getting the adulation uh, from the people and he shows it and that sort of behavior that sort of you know that 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 uh, him showing up showing up his enemies and stuff that uh that there's there's a good possibility that could again that's another one of those things that could blow up in his face whether it he makes jamie turn on him or he makes uh somebody else just not trust him but he's not I, I I think this th- that comparison that you make it just shows that he's not Tywin Lannister and he's not as powerful as Tywin Lannister was and eventually that's not good, that that's not going to work out very well. It's almost for him. as though he's having to make a a, a statement, isn't he? And and is putting on a bit of a an act, yeah, to, to get attention and say, hey, look, we're look here, look I'm me. here, everybody look look at me, yeah. And yet Cersei just has to sit there. Well, if he and, and if, if if he's save a little, yeah. Well, and if he wants everybody's attention, this is what I was trying to get to: is if he wants everybody's attention, he's not going to sit next to Cersei and be subservient to her. You know, he's going if he actually marries her, he will want to be king and be king the way Robert was king, or the way Aerys was king. You know. Uh, brutal and foolish and 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 that sort of thing uh and you know cersei she wants to be queen they both want that seat the absolute power seat the iron throne and if uh and and that that alliance is eventually going to break over that because uh and and the fact that jamie doesn't like him is uh it just means you know who he's gonna side with although whether Jamie can cont- how long Jamie continues to side with Cersei is uh is up in the air. You know, he could he could stay with her all the way through or he could uh eventually eventually leave her. Um but we do, you know, like we said this was a very successful episode for Cersei. Uh they lose Casterly Rock, Casterly Rock. 
Um, but they take Highgarden, and we see the end of Olena Tyrell in this episode. So it was very interesting because the way the way it plays out, you know, we're, as we hear Tyrion giving the the voiceover as he's explaining to Danny what the strategy is, uh, is to get the Unsullied in through the sewers and 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 win and and really people have pointed out you know the, the unsullied are using a very similar tactic to what they did in 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 a previous season to take one of the the the, the cities in marine like you know in, in on the other side of the, the world i can't remember the specific one um but you know it, it's not it's not a new strategy for them it's something they've done before uh and it fails you know they they take casterly rock but um the lannisters decided to give up Castle Rock and instead they've uh, they head for Highgarden which as Jamie points out is basically the same strategy Rob Stark used against him and you know Jamie says there's a uh, there's wisdom to be gained in defeat or he says something along those lines and you kind of realize Danny's never really lost a battle quite like that I mean she uh, you know she struggled with the um sons of the harpy but the way that story was kind of wrapped up was kind of was kind of rushed so we don't know if she really learned anything from that and so they tried to use a strategy they'd already used and it didn't work out whereas jamie learned from his mistakes and so hopefully what this means is that Tyrion and danny and and her her crew will do the same that they will learn from their mistakes and they will be ready for the Lannisters next time. And it kind of, you know, Elena Tyrell dies in this episode, but what was her, her last advice to Danny? You know, don't trust these clever men, be a dragon. Mm. And she trusted Tyrion, the most clever of all clever men. And, uh, things didn't go very well. So I'm not saying Danny's going to stop listening to Tyrion, but maybe she'll be a little bit more forceful the next time somebody somebody comes up with an overly uh, complicated, clever plot uh, and instead go for the uh, ride a dragon and burn them all with fire uh, strategy. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So what did, what did you make of of, uh, of Lady Olena's final final scene with Jamie? Oh, it was great. That is uh, one of the best scenes and, 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 and of Game of Thrones, I think. And I think it was uh, that the, the writers of the show also expressed those thoughts. They said that they thought it was uh, uh, Diana Rigg who plays her, um, uh, who plays Elena Ty- Tyrell. It was it was her best scene in the entire show, and you can see why because yet at the point where she should be at her lowest ebb you know high garden's gone she's lost her children her grandchildren last season and and yet she still comes out on top and it's a great reveal it's one of those moments that you just sort of forgot until the very last moment and was like oh crap yeah like Sheesh. no one even knows what actually <laughs> happened to joffrey yeah you know the last time we heard this was when littlefinger and elena talked about it in season five i think yeah um when they were in in the brothel um and yet here we are season seven brings it back up and yeah guess what she not only goes out in a way that's you know painless 
Um, she also gets to have one last up on a uh, on Cersei. Uh, one up on Cersei. Yeah. Know? Oh yeah. It was. It's. She had the ultimate. The ultimate ace up her sleeve. She had that that one last card to play, and it would was brutal. Now, does Jamie tell Cersei the truth, or does does like or does he not want to cause her more pain? Like, does he want to bring up these horrific memories of watching Joffrey die? Because clearly, as Olena was bringing it up for Jamie, he wasn't enjoying himself. He didn't like it. Um. And so does does he want to do that for Cersei or does he want to just allow her to continue to believe it was Tyrion and continue to hate Tyrion? And she she hates Tyrion for killing Tywin. So it's just another a, another thing to, to, to hate him for. And maybe this is something that's best left. Yeah. I actually think that the importance of this scene is you just hit it there with Tyrion is actually going to be when Tyrion and Jaime meet. Less so with Cersei and Jaime. Because mm. we've seen what Cersei's at at this point. Marcella was her favorite, and 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 she's got the retribution now against the Sand Snakes. Elena's gone now, you know. I mean, what what else is there to do? Yeah, all what of the it people. May just, it may just again make it's, it's all of it is working on Jamie's character. There's a reason why Jamie was the one listening to it, and not Cersei. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's because it's going to impact on his character development. Because in my view, what this is building up this whole season is Jamie renouncing the whole alliance with Cersei and, and the Lannisters and the fact, you know, Jamie's grown as a character and he's, he's starting to see that what is going on is just completely wrong. And I'm, I'm the Jamie of season one may well have stabbed Elena or whatever, or even um, gone along with Cersei and wanted to parade her through the streets. But here he was the one who persuaded Cersei to let Elena die a painless death. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it could work the other way. And he thinks, hang on a minute, I've tried to be in the good and trying to help. And now look, you know, I've let somebody who deserves punishment to be, you know, pretty much get away scot-free. Yeah. Uh, a painless death. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What's your thoughts on it all? And, and, and do you think it's significant Jamie was the one to hear it rather than Cersei? Yeah. Jamie's, Jamie's such a tough character to, to read at this point. You know, he we know... He's clearly got trepidations about what Cersei's doing. Other, otherwise, he would have, like you said, let her, you know, parade Olena naked through the streets until, she, and then chopped her head off at the Sept of Baelor, Ned, Ned Stark style. Um, or so, so clearly, he he doesn't fully embrace all of the insane, the mad queen aspects of of Cersei because we know what Jaime has done to mad kings, but he's still obviously loves her and so knowing this information and knowing he stood up for somebody who from his point of view probably didn't deserve it maybe maybe it maybe it does push him the other way maybe we've been thinking that jamie lannister is going to have a redemption arc maybe it's maybe it's not maybe it's one of those arcs where he swings towards the middle and all of a sudden, heads back. It's like a boomerang, and he and he just comes back to to where he was in in season one. So I I don't know. I'm not I'm not convinced one way or the other uh, mm. where Jamie's Jamie's head. But that piece of information is is crucial. And you know, 
there's there's going to have to be a moment later in this season where Jamie's going to be forced to decide and this scene may well inform him maybe he would have if 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 Olena had just died or if he hadn't been there when it happened maybe he would have been able to redeem himself but since uh, since he now knows this information he's maybe he's he's feeling a little bit of rage a little bit of anger and you know it's going to take him back down the dark path oh absolutely interesting to see where it goes from here but again yeah. Uh, a bit of a, a bit of a surprise, really. I didn't expect Elena to go as early as she did, but yeah. Um, but we should. We should, you mentioned you mentioned you know expect expectations of death. Let's check in on the uh, on the Deadpool here, Lady Olena Tyrell. We both had her dead. <laughs> we both had her dead. <laughs> uh, so uh, so far, we're two for two with Sand Snakes and Lady Olena. Now, should we? Should we count Ilaria since she and she's not dead yet? <sighs> yeah, but yeah, but she's basically what dead. Mean. But what if she comes back? Yeah, I think okay. I think Ilaria will leave for now, but it's one that we'll revisit at the end of the season. Then we'll decide yes, then. Agree. Decide then. Okay, so we'll leave her. I'm gonna I'm gonna put. I've been putting green. Uh, fills on our spreadsheet for the characters that die. I'm gonna put an orange one <laughs> on on Alaria, so we don't know. We don't know if she if she makes it or not. Um, all right, let's get to it. Let's get to the thing that that uh, had most people the most people talking after this episode, and that was the long-awaited meeting of Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen, and uh, this was the the first scene of the episode was Jon arriving and. You know that sequence of of them talking in the throne room at Dragonstone. I mean, that's a that was a long scene. I was uh, surprised and impressed that they let it go as long as they did without, you know, a big action scene or somebody coming in. It you know it was a long it was a long scene of them just talking and debating. And I have to say, um, you know, from an audience standpoint. Danny didn't come off very well in this scene. She she didn't come off very well. Like I and and I'm look I'm glad and I'm not criticizing the scene uh, necessarily or even criticizing the character for making the decisions that that she makes um, because I I really like that they they went the direction that John and Danny don't get along at first. I think that's much more interesting than if they had met and fallen in love as some people thought they were going to. Um, although that would be interesting. Hey, John, fall in love with your aunt. Um, but uh, they, they, Danny doesn't come off very well because John, the whole time John is there, he's talking about we need to save people from this threat. And Danny is saying, it's my birthright. John is talking about the people, Danny is talking about herself. And we know that Danny does care about the people. And I think John recognizes that too. He says as much because that's why they haven't just flown the dragons up to King's Landing and burned the city because they want to save as many people as they can. But John's angle was this threat is coming. The White Walkers is coming and we need to band together to defeat it. And Danny could have very well made the same point only about Cersei that like, no, we need to deal with the the threat that is Cersei Lannister so that we can bring peace to the realm so that we can then 
fight together against the White Walkers. But instead, her her point of view was, I am doing, uh, I'm doing what is my right. It was basically me, me, me. Whereas John John's was us, 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 and. Uh, yeah, Danny didn't come out very well. I, I, so if, if somebody had to win, quote unquote, that scene, uh, I got to give it to John, which I'm, I'm a little bit surprised about. I, I would have thought I would have thought Danny would have would have taken it. Um, but but what did you make of that sequence, Kieran? Oh, it was great. It, it was it, like you said, it went on for a very long time, but it, it mm-hmm. didn't seem that way. It yeah. seemed like a natural conversation between you know, two, arguably of the, uh, the the two characters that people well, the love two main, the most on this show, and arguably the two, the two main, main characters yeah, at this point, ice and fire, a song of ice and fire. I mean, yeah, come on, uh, yeah, yeah. And exactly. the only way it, the only way it felt long was in the sense of I kept expecting them to cut away from it because because of you know the way we understand TV and movies that you don't usually get these big long talky scenes. You usually they they tend to break the this type of scene up and have action in between because they're afraid they're going to lose the audience's attention. You know, in the, in the first season, first couple of seasons, this show was criticized for having too many sex position scenes where the character, they would have these longer talking scenes. Just a couple of characters would happen to be naked so that people would keep watching. Um, but in this case, everybody's fully clothed. Everybody's fully clothed. There's no action. Nobody dies. Nobody threatens anybody even. Um, uh, and so in that sense, I would kept expecting them to somebody for somebody at HBO or in the edit room to have gone. Uh, this scene's going on too long. We're going to lose the audience. But instead, they let it keep going. And like you said, it's the right decision. It didn't in, in the sense that it, it didn't feel long in the sense that you got bored. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And it was uh, it was a necessary scene, really, to to have and and. and the point you made about Danny, I think, is an interesting one because right from the off, really, even though you've got Tyrion there speaking with John on friendly terms, and you know they're having a, a sort of recap of some of their old tales and stories, and you know saying we, you know, we've got to almost share a beer down the pub at some point and, <laughs> and talk about all of this. Yeah, yeah. But but what but what is it that Danny you would think is has helped? engineer is is that one of the dragons then just shoot past them all and you know john and sadavas are just like <gasps> stunned on the floor yeah none, none of the other group are you know Tyrion's standing there and the sande standing there they're all they it's almost as if they knew that was going to happen and, and i think that just symbolized the whole meeting really which i think was to make Danny seem untouchable, to make her seem all powerful, and to make her seem intimidating, and it just didn't go down well with John, and we and we, we should expect it to be that way because John, you know, he comes from that other side, like you say, somebody who represents the people, and and somebody who just doesn't, he's yeah. not going to bend the knee like his father is because he looks at it as a mistake, you know, to trust people like this. And, and he's also at this point on such a level where he's like, you know, last episode he was saying, you know, I don't, you all name me King of the North, but I didn't want to be King of the North. Whereas you got Danny here saying, no, I want to be queen of the, of the of Wester of, of the world of Westeros. You know, yeah. she, well, she, I mean, you compare- she wants to take control and mm-hmm. she looks at John there 
then as a potential enemy because of that. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you, whereas you know, John is completely opposite. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, you get that speech from Masande that we were kind of joking about at the beginning of the episode, where she, you know she runs through all of those things and she says, you know, rightful heir to this, rightful ruler of that, and then Davos gets up there. And not the the joke. This is Jon Snow. He's king of the north. You know, like not that one, but later when Davos steps up again, and he goes, you know, the lords of the north and the the men of the Night's Watch, they picked him as their leader. If this isn't his birthright, as Davos says, he doesn't have any. He's a damn bastard. You know, it's it's it, this isn't. Uh, you know, John isn't doing this because he thinks. I should be doing this or I have to do this or this is what I was born to do. He doesn't see himself as a savior. He's, you know, he's the ultimate reluctant hero. And, you know, he's he's has to try and convince somebody who grew up being told this was, you know, well, not her right, but her brother's right. And then she decided to make it hers and you know granted and 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 not to take anything away from what danny has been through i mean she brings up all the things the horrible things that happened to her and how she managed to get through them and that's nothing to um nothing to dismiss and i don't think john would would dismiss that either i think he knows that she's a powerful ally uh and, and or she can be a powerful ally and and those are just some of the reasons why um or those are many of the reasons why. Um, but, you know, she wants... I, I don't think Danny knows why she actually wants to rule. And, and, and that, that's, maybe that's a question that should be asked and, uh, and, and figured out. Why is she doing what she's doing? Because if, if she really does want to save the common people then maybe the answer is to go north with the dragons, defeat the, the Night's King and the White Walkers, and then come for Cersei as the hero who saved us from the Long Night. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think that's... But is what? But then her motivation, although she wants this sort of revolution, is she still wants to be on the t- at the top, you know, the top of the tree, so to speak, and she, in a way, is is a. It's funny because on one sense she's a revolutionary. On the other hand, she's still a, a, a traditionalist, you know, because it's all about the monarch and royalty and and fight amongst them, uh, fight fighting amongst the seven kingdoms. John, in a sense, is a true revolutionary who's who's got nothing to do with that. He's he's brought different clans and tribes together who fought each other in the past, and he clearly sees. Well, who the true threat is, but as Tyrion made the point later on, he, I think he was saying that you know what did you expect in this meeting, really? Like, um, oh no, maybe I think it was actually John who actually admitted that. To be fair, who was like, you know, oh, I wonder, yeah. I wonder how I would have felt if somebody said to me who but, the White Walkers were, and I never heard of them. It's sort of as, that element of mm-hmm. he's, he, you know, even then he realizes in himself. That, but then Dan- uh, Danny realizes something a scene later. When she says, you know, the world thought there were no more dragons. Maybe it's time to reconsider what we think we know. I think I think the solution to this and I don't know if this is the way the show is headed or not, but I think the solution I think Danny needs to go north. Just her. Maybe Tyrion can come with her, but probably Tyrion and Tyrion, leave Tyrion and Varys to run things because that went so well the last time. (laughs) Um, But she needs to go north and she needs to see 
the situation at Winterfell and the situation at the Wall. Well, uh, not even not even to see the White Walkers, just to see, to actually spend some time with the people that she wants to rule. She hasn't she hasn't spent any time with the people she wants to rule. No, she 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 came to Dragonstone, which seems to be completely fucking abandoned like there's nobody there it's just her and and her advisors the people who are going to support her no matter what uh and varus um but it's uh they, they she needs to actually spend some time with the people and i think this would be a perfect opportunity for her to to do so to go with john as an ally as an official visitor and understand what she's actually fighting for because she hasn't been to westeros since she was a small child and um you know that was something that she struggled with when she was ruling marine you know that that she didn't understand the people there and and that was the whole thing about whether or not she could open the fighting pits or not and yeah i I think this is something danny needs to if, if not to if not to the north but somewhere somewhere to actually spend some time with the people if she wants to truly have this revolution because she's smart enough to know what to know that the the the, the lies that the, and the bs that was being fed to viserys about you know people drinking secret toasts to his health and and to his return and all that stuff she knows that's that's bullshit that 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 doesn't happen but if she actually wants to fight for the people as she claims repeatedly to do it and we have you know and 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 she does care i mean we saw that with uh, with you know the way she freed the slaves and 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 all of that she does care but she doesn't she doesn't understand westeros and and there's only so much that Tyrion can tell her she has to experience some of it for herself and uh, yeah go north danny Mm -hmm. go north well there was that one scene in season two um when there was a sort of weird, what was she? Oh, when she was in that that temple with that sorcerer, and uh, sort of initially it seemed like they were going through flashbacks in time of of, mm-hmm. of, um, of what happened in the past to the, uh, with her and Drogo, uh, what could have what could have happened, I guess, actually with Carl Drogo and things like that. And there was that one scene when she walked through the throne room, and it was snow mm-hmm. and ice. Yeah. Which was the whole, you know, the element of winter is coming. But maybe there was also a, a, a sort of message to Danny to be like, you know, your king's, your kingdom's going to be just, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a fight against the White Walkers, really, that you're going to have to deal with no. because your kingdom will just become devastated. Correct, the winter correct. is here. Correct you me know, if I'm, that's... correct me if I'm wrong, but does she see the wall too when she? In that vision, yes, she no, yes, she does. Yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, that's the next part of that scene. I think uh-huh. um, is the wall. Yeah. So mm, maybe the wall. Go north, Danny. End of the wall still standing by the time <laughs> the season ends. Well, yeah, but I mean, we we know that John gets back to the north from the previews, but uh, oh, 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 how great would it be if Danny went back with him? I think that would be so cool. Maybe they could ride dragons. If they rode dragons back, like <laughs> she could ride Drogon, John could ride Rhaegal, since you know it's named for his actual father. <laughs> and yeah, it'd be great. It, 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 that'd be that would be interesting. So uh, that's more or less the episode. We do see Sam. Uh, he gets a he 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 does he he saved Jorah. 
that's great good for sam <laughs> uh and sam so he he gets to stay in the citadel but he has to copy out all of those old texts and you can bet that he's gonna find something out while he's he's copying out those old texts that's gonna be really mm. helpful um and we do see that theon uh gets saved by one of the few uh the few uh other Greyjoy ships that are still around um and they they don't they don't believe him he he tries to pass it off that he tried to save uh yara but they don't really believe him so uh hopefully hopefully we'll see more of that uh in the next episode and 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 on like that but there's one there's one more thing i want to bring up with you uh, on this episode because and, and this is what we this is what we briefly talked about before the episode in our little uh, message exchange was how fast this season is moving and, and and in some ways it feels like these last three episodes almost would have made up an entire season in years gone by and you know the 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 pace of the show is so much faster now than it was in seasons in in the first five seasons or in the first six seasons, but especially I would say in the first four seasons, four or five seasons, it's, it's, it's gotten they're They're getting to these things a lot quicker. And, and I'm, I'm wondering, my one concern about that is, is maybe we're going to lose some of the nuance that was so great in those for those early seasons and and i i do think we are losing a little bit of nuance now that they're not um writing from from the books you know i i think that uh george R. R. martin's approach to storytelling is is uh is, is so uh so different from what people normally expect and it, and it subverts a lot of our expectations that you know it 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 really contributed to you know having that base source material really contributed to making uh the first few seasons so great and now that we're past his books and well past his books um and and the writers are left to make up more things we're we're maybe falling into some more some more tropes although not completely not completely i don't think this isn't is this isn't like a a typical you know network show or anything um but do you think do you think do you think there's a risk involved in 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 speeding up the pace of the show as much as they have? Yeah, I mean it, it, like you say it's the the story then becomes very much plot driven driven I would think and less character driven because you don't mm-hmm. yeah. have the character moments and that's why I think we definitely enjoyed this episode more than previous episodes of this season because of that sort of opening scene where there was a properly drawn out scene between just the characters. There's nothing mm-hmm. else other than dialogue. Yeah. And that's what drove the scene. And that's what made that scene one of the best in the show. And again, why did, why, why did I enjoy and imagine what you enjoyed with the Elena Jamie stuff is that it wasn't him stabbing her or whatever. It was just them talking. So mm-hmm. we are still getting some of those important character moments, mm-hmm. but like, like you say, the pace of it means that there are going to be some storylines that could have really been padded out and, 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 and been made really interesting. That are sort of just like like the Greyjoy stuff. I mean, regardless of Euron, and I have to say that he is growing on me. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole storyline 
has sort of come out of nowhere, really. You know, it was it, it disappeared for really a couple of seasons, and then Euron suddenly showed up, and then he disappeared at the in the middle of season six, and then he's back again. And it's it's little bits like that which made it a little bit weaker, and and, and uh-huh. uh, but then. There are other moments when it still brings you back in and, you know, remembering things like Joffrey's death and the fact that we're finally getting retribution for something that happened in Dawn. You know, it does make that season perhaps a little bit more interesting, knowing what's going, what happens to some of the characters. But I do see where you're coming from. The, the speed of the show, the fact that it's going so fast, it could act detrimentally. But you know, this is what comes with having less episodes. It's as simple as that. And yeah seven episodes you got to fit a lot in and you can't appease everybody um some storylines are stronger than others the sam storyline is i don't really know where to go with it at this stage but it it has its good moments and bad moments it's yeah the sam the sam storyline in some ways feels like it's it's pulled from a different season, you know, like it, it feels like it, yeah. it's moving at the pace of a previous season, whereas everything else is going so fast. And and I'm not I'm not complaining about the speed or anything. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, some some of these things that would have been built up over an entire season, like, you know, John and Danny meeting, putting them in the third episode. You know, it doesn't it doesn't mean that it's not an anticipated thing because we've had six seasons leading up to it of going what would it be like if these two characters met and and, and so it's it's not it's not a bad thing by any stretch and in some ways it's in some ways it's a it's a good thing it means that we get to we get to have some of these moments that we've been we've been looking forward to and and there is definitely still nuance i don't mean to imply that that we're losing nuance or anything but it's it's just like it's just been such a it's been a bit of a uh a sudden shift in pacing and it just you know it it makes me wonder you know if in some alternate universe if all the books had been published um before the show could could had had ended um then you know would the version would that would that alternate universe's version of the show maybe move at slightly different a slightly different pace and then we would get maybe get something else or something more out of uh out of these final seasons um but it's just it's just something to it, it's something that, that i don't think we'll ever know the answer to but i i just you know what anytime you make that kind of change like we're going to um decrease the number of episodes in a season it you know it makes you wonder and, and all of a sudden these things that you know uh, look at season five season five the the big meeting in that season was Tyrion and Danny, and and that took six episodes to get there. We spent six episodes anticipating it, and arguably, season five is the is the weakest of the season. So maybe it maybe maybe we're better off having less episodes and having John and Danny meet in episode three instead of episode six. Um, but uh, you know, I just wanted to bring it up because it is it is interesting that that's uh, mm. that we've seen this kind of shift. Yeah, I agree, and. Um... I think maybe we come back to this conversation at the end of the season. I think it'd Definitely. be interesting to maybe reflect on how we the season as a whole and mm-hmm. whether the storylines that have sort of been sped up pay off. 
Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, so before we wrap things up, uh, let's take a look at the preview for season seven, episode four, the spoils of war. Here's the preview from HBO. My only venture at this moment is re-establishing control over this continent and every person on it. All my allies are gone. I'm losing. You can count on the Iron Bank as soon as the gold arrives. Enough with the clever plans. So at this point, we're a little, uh, as we're recording, we're a little under uh, 24 hours away <laughs> from uh, the airing of this episode on HBO. Uh, some interesting stuff. Maybe the Iron Bank, maybe not as supportive of uh, of, uh, of Cersei as we once thought, uh, or as, it, as this episode see made it seem. Um, maybe, you know, he says we'll, we'll, it will happen once the, the gold arrives. We Maybe we, you know, we thought, the, the 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 truth about Joffrey's murder was uh, Lady Olena's final um, final knife or final card to play. Maybe she's got one more. Maybe there's no money in uh, <laughs> maybe there's no money in uh, in in Highgarden either, and and that's going to be something that Jamie and and Bronn and and um, what's his face Tarly have to uh, have to deal with um, and and how they how they're going to break that news to Cersei and then how she's going to break it to Mark Gatiss there. Um so that that's one thing that we'll we'll definitely be seeing and uh looks like we'll see more of this um of the, of of John and Danny, more John and Danny talking about things and it looks like she's saying to him, you know, I'm losing and it looks like she's going to ask him for help. And mm -hmm. we know from this episode he she's going to give him the dragon glass. Maybe Maybe he's gonna feel the need to uh, to to pay her back in some way, in in some small way. I hope his his answer is "Come with me to the north." You know, <laughs> just get in the boat. Let's go. Um, that's my terrible northern accent for you, um, and, uh, and and that sort of thing. And uh, we get a lot of a uh, lot of quick cuts. Uh, we do see more Theon. We see Littlefinger. We see somebody whipping out that knife. Uh, that was so important back in season one. Uh, see Arya outside um, outside Winterfell. Um, what are you most looking forward to in in uh, in uh, the spoils of war? Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the fallout from Elena Tyrell's death, and and like you say, whether the, I didn't really think about that with the possibility of of Jamie and and Co not finding the treasure that would be or not finding the gold yeah um because that would really start in my mind uh, a chain of events which would see the, the the demise of cersei you know we've seen her at a pinnacle and even at the beginning of this trailer she's like you know hey look <laughs> i've got rid of my enemies i'm re-establishing control you're gonna get your money soon mm -hmm. what if it all starts to unravel and I, I think that could be one of those moments like you say but I'm also looking forward to seeing North, really. And, and you know, there's a bit of Sansa, Littlefinger, and, yeah. and, and Brienne, and, and Arya, Bran that's up there. I, that's getting very interesting now. And I don't, because I'm, I'm not, I'm not really sure, still at this stage, what sort of story they're going for in the North. Uh -huh. Particularly with John gone. 
yeah. at this point because it seems like there are two stories in the north. You've got the White Walkers one with well, no, no doubt when John comes back, it will be right. We're going to the wall, sorting out the White Walkers. But then you got the other stuff with Sansa, the other Starks, and Littlefinger, and it seems like there's a power play. It's like a mini King's Landing in Winterfell at the moment, and I find <laughs> it very, very interesting yeah. um, how that's all going to play out. What about yourself, though? What yeah. are you most looking forward to after seeing that trailer? I, I'm looking forward to more John and Danny. I, I thought what we got in this this episode was so good. Uh, and we didn't even really mention their second conversation where it's just them. No advisors, no guards, no nothing. And it's just them talking. And they they kind of make a little bit of agree to disagree style peace um, for the time being. And so I, I'm curious now, now that her situation has changed so drastically, if she might be she might look to him as somebody like we talked about as, as somebody who has the love of the people. And if that's something she hopes to gain, maybe she can, she can learn a thing or two from uh, her, uh, her, her nephew there that she, she doesn't realize is her nephew. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And I do just want to say the thing about the, the, you know, maybe they don't have the golden high garden. Uh, we do see a sequence of, of Jamie opening up a place and there does seem to be lots of gold. So I, I don't think that's the, the direction they're going, but I do think that could be cool. Like, you know, what if, what if Cersei found out there wasn't the gold that she thought there was. And all of a sudden the iron bank cuts off, uh, cuts off any trade with, king's landing mm. that could that could really put the people in a bad state where they would be looking for a, a revolutionary mm. to follow well the other thing that hasn't been we haven't seen in the trailer but we know there's gonna have to be a fallout from is casterly rock and the fact that there are all those Greyjoy ships there and the plan seems to have failed yeah and what cost well, is that going to be and will that play into the scene that danny and john were talking about i don't know but that that could be interesting and it could add to our potentially could add to our deadpool mm-hmm. yeah well i mean gray worm is is stuck there he's stuck in the stuck at casterly rock for the time being or at least until they can march their way back to to dragonstone which is mm. a, a long way to go but yeah lots and lots of good stuff to look forward to in uh tomorrow's episode or today's episode if you're listening to this on uh on uh on sunday lots and lots to to look forward to and maybe hey who knows maybe you're listening to this and you're uh you've already seen the episode and you're laughing at us for our ridiculous speculation uh on this uh on this episode but that will do it for uh for this episode thank you everybody so much for listening before we go something we haven't done in a while just time for final thoughts and score out of 10 Kieran, over to you. Final thoughts on on uh, the Queen's justice and uh, score out of ten. My final thoughts on this episode are: it was the best episode of season seven, in my opinion. It was just one of those ones where it had so many good moments of so many different storylines, which are all sort of coming together now. Uh, that's the part that I've really enjoyed to be fair about season 7 is the interactions between characters that we've not either seen before or that hasn't been in such a long time and I think it was just exemplified by that opening scene really uh, but we've also seen some you know, so, as you would say some like mid to level important things 
uh, and events take place, you know, with the Queen's retribution against the death of her daughter. We've seen Lena Tyrell bite the dust. Um, and I think all of these are going to have important consequences later down the line. Um, the Bran and the Sansa reunion, I, I still find that, I found that very interesting though regardless of how creepy it was um and i I do look forward to seeing more of bram because he he is all knowing and that that makes it interesting to me because it you know what is he going to reveal because he knows it all he doesn't have to tell everybody that he knows it all he may play it when it suits him i don't know i'm i'm intrigued um but yeah i mean the next episode looks like it'll be another good one um but uh, we'll, wait, we'll wait to see whether there's any more additions to our Deadpool anytime soon. That's all I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> and score out of 10? Uh, oh, I'll give that a 9. 9 out of 10. Very good episode. How yeah. about yourself? Yeah, I'm going to agree. 9 out of 10. Lots and lots of good stuff. And, and really the main thing was uh, was that conversation between John and Danny. Uh, I thought they, they did, like like we talked about, they they didn't give in to our uh, to you know typical movies and tv uh expectations of you know people won't pay attention to the talking scenes no we pay attention to the talking scenes when they're this good and uh they were they they did a fantastic job on on that uh i love the the twist that the casterly rock uh high garden twist olena tyrell's final scene was spectacular and cersei lannister man she she, she you know you love to hate her and uh this episode is just another just gave us another uh reason why so yeah i'm really looking forward to tomorrow's episode and uh can't wait to talk about it next week so that is it tune in next week the like i said episodes will be uh, the next episode will be out if uh, if ever if everything goes according to plan and uh yeah well you, you know how that goes sometimes uh but if everything goes according to plan we'll have the next episode out for you very soon um and uh, we'll be discussing the spoils of war. If you want to keep up with the show, you can uh, do so by following us on social media. Uh, we're the Watchers of Westeros on Facebook. Just click like. Uh, we're at Watcher Westeros on Twitter. I'm at Dominic J25. Kieran is at C Duggan6. You can find all of our back episodes by going to RadioFreePodcasting.com. Uh, we're part of the Radio Free Podcasting Network, uh, which was started by our buddy Patrick Bonfrisco. And there's so many other great shows there that you can check out like how's annie that's for all of you twin peaks fans uh geek radio amateur pod hollywood and vine radio free mandalore john in 60 seconds if you want to relive the movies of john cusack one minute at a time that is a show to check out (laughs) this is what i love about the internet things you would never think would exist exist so uh yeah uh radiofreepodcasting.com lots of lots and lots of great shows for you to find there uh, you can also follow. Uh, you can also uh, check out my other uh, podcast, the Star Wars Underworld, uh, by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or subscribing on iTunes. But that's a weekly Star Wars talk show. Where we talk about all the latest Star Wars news. Uh, on the most recent episode, we uh, revisited some stuff from D twenty three and Comic Con. We also talked about uh, recent comments from John Boyega about. Uh, about the last jedi and uh the latest on the han solo movie it seems that things have uh, settled down over there somewhat somehow uh so uh you can find that starwarsunderworld.com or subscribing in itunes and don't forget to subscribe to this show on itunes watches of westeros uh just uh that way you will never miss a uh, never miss an episode uh it'll just show up right there on your phone for you to download 
and uh, and uh, enjoy. And if you're if you like the show and you feel like it, we would greatly appreciate a, a five star review on iTunes. Uh, that's it. That's it. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll be, we'll be back next week very soon, very soon next week hopefully uh, to discuss the spoils of war. So long for now. thought of this as the uh, outro was playing I, I meant to bring this up i did love how uh olena quoted uh the reigns of castamere at jamie in there i thought that was a nice touch from the writers it's a wrap